or 50 Baptists that we should know, uh, that everybody should know, and and we were uh, going to take a couple weeks and maybe a third week to kind of finish the story. There's a there's the story has some interesting um, things that happen over time. But we were talking about Philip Bliss and and his upbringing and the fact that he became um, just a well loved godly Christian man who wrote um, many, many hymns that we sing. I, I think that in our hymn book there are over 15 hymns that that uh, he wrote himself that we sing. It was interesting, last Sunday morning after we finished in here uh, the morning service, we sang uh, Once for All, which uh, he wrote as a, a birthday present to his wife. Um, and just uh, many, many, if you, if you pick a couple of favorite hymns, probably one of them will be um, a hymn written by Philip Bliss. And I mentioned he was considered one of the great personal soul winners of the 1800s. And he daily in his business was talking um, about Christ to his fellow musicians uh, in his professional life. And and one of these friends was James McGranahan. And James McGranahan was a, a very talented and gifted cultured musician who also lived in Chicago. Uh, he was gifted with a very rare tenor voice. And he studied for years with eminent teachers who urged him to to take those steps and rise in the in the opera world, and I might just take a second and just maybe give you a little. Um, when I say that, you know, he was going to be top of the music world in the opera world. You might say, "What?" You know, uh, realize that in that day, uh, people that rose in the opera world, the the the, the top opera singers in the world, uh, these were the movie stars uh, uh, and the musicians of the day. These were the very wealthy and very famous. Everybody knew these people. So the wealth and the fame that came with this was very enticing. And that was what he was struggling with. Uh, Bliss had uh, talked to him. He had been saved as, as a young man, but McGranahan seemed to fight the Lord as he, as he was caught up in the, in the, in the dazzle and the, and the prospects of the fame and the fortune that w- would have been his. And they were beginning to be his. Um, Bliss was 38 years old, but he had been in Christian work for over 15 years, and he just longed for his friend James. He saw something in this this man uh, to to know the thrill of serving the Lord as well. Philip and Lucy Bliss, as I said last week, were preparing for their trip home. Um, in the midst of the hurry, Bliss just felt compelled to take time out to write McGranahan a letter. Um, he prayed as he wrote the letter. Um, he wanted the right words to put down. He knew the Lord was dealing with James, and uh, he wanted his friend to make the right decision. He actually was uh, had some misgivings about the letter, so he, he went to, to Major Whittle, and he said, um, would you look at this and read this? And in the letter, as I said, he, he, uh, he likened the, the course or the long course of training and the music training that, that McGranahan was going through as just wetting, wetting the Sith for the cycle and not going in for the, for the, uh, for the harvest and not going into the harvest. And he said, stop wetting the Sith and, and strike into the grain and reap for the master. Uh, that was the phrase he closed the letter with. And McGranahan received the letter. Um, he, he said later, that uh, it touched him as no other words had touched him before. He could think of nothing else. Strike into the grain to read for the master. These words, these words haunted him um, after he got the letter. So the Blisses took the train ride from Chicago. Uh, this was a day that would stun the Christian world. Uh, as, as you probably know the story, as, as the train crossed the trestle coming into Astabula, Ohio, the trestle gave way, and the train and all 159 passengers plunged into the river below. Um, a hundred of the 159 passengers were killed. Uh, it was the worst railroad tragedy in America up to that point. 
And uh, somehow Bliss survived the fall, survived the, uh, the crash. Um, witnesses saw him escape through a window. Uh, he frantically rushed back and forth trying to find his wife. He, he must have found her. Um, just a, an amazing story. Uh, he, he went back into the train uh, in, in the fire and died with his wife there in the fire. Uh, no, no trace of either one of their bodies was ever found. Not an artifact, not, a, not anything was ever found. But upon hearing the tragic news back in Chicago, McGranahan and Major Whittle separately rushed to the scene, as many people did, as, as they, they hoped to find some trace of the body of their beloved friend. And it was there for the first time. They had not met until this time. Uh, it was there for the first time that Major Whittle um, saw McGranahan in the crowd, and he recognized him, and he realized that this was, this was McGranahan, who, who Bliss had, had prayed for and, and had just had talked to him about in, in the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, later, he records his thought. Whittle said his thought was at that moment, here before me stands the man that Philip has chosen to be his successor. That's the thought that went through his mind. The two men met. Uh, they made the return trip back to Chicago together. As they rode, they talked. Um, Whittle challenged McGranahan to continue the work that our dear friend has begun. Uh, before they reached the city, history says that McGranahan had given his life, uh, his talents, everything to the Lord, and said he would go and follow the Lord in, uh, in full-time service. And not a trace, I said, of these two uh, wonderful people were ever found. But if you might mention, I remember last week I mentioned that they had checked their luggage through to Chicago, and it had gone ahead of them. And in it, in that luggage, um, were a couple of the last songs that, that Bliss uh, had ever written. Uh, Major Whittle found the uh, several manuscripts in the trunk, uh, and he gave one of them to McGranahan. He said, please write the music for this great hymn. And that hymn that Bliss wrote and the McGranahan would write the music for was My Redeemer. Uh, the first verse is, and we sing this song all the time, what a wonderful hymn. I will sing of my Redeemer and his wondrous love for me. On the cruel cross he suffered from the curse to set me free. Sing, O oh, sing of my Redeemer with his blood he purchased me. On the cross he sealed my pardon, paid the debt, and made me free. And McGranahan would write the music to that song, as well as a couple others of, of Bliss's uh, poems that he had written at the, at the very end of his life. Uh, Bliss has been hailed as the Charles Wesley of the 18th century in, in the amount of hymns that he wrote. Um, his hymns, as I said, are among, among my favorites. Um, uh, and we think of it as well. Uh, how, many, how many of us love, love the hymn, it as well. And, and the Lord has blessed those hymns for almost 180 years. Um, uh, D.L. Moody, in a loving tribute to the beauty of, of Bliss's life and his character, he said this. He said, I believe he was raised up of God to write hymns for the Church of Christ in this age, as Charles Wesley was for the church, uh, uh, his church in that day. His songs have gone around the world and have led and will continue to lead hundreds of souls to Christ. In my estimation, he was, he was the most highly honored of God of any man of his time as a writer and singer of gospel songs. And with all his gifts, he was the most humble man I ever knew. I loved him as a brother and shall cherish his memory, giving praise to God for the grace manifested in him while life lasts. And I mentioned some of the hymns. Um, you know, last week we talked about, uh, Hallelujah, what a Savior. I gave my life for thee. It is well with my soul. Wonderful words of life. Um, let the lower lights be burning uh, once for all, just as I am. Uh, just a humorous story, maybe, and you'll see it on this uh, on this slide of his uh, of his grave. 
Uh, he said to Ira Sankey, Bliss said to Ira Sankey, uh, he said, you know, I don't want to be remembered uh, for uh, Hold the Fort. Uh, he didn't like that. He, he wrote the hymn, and it was very popular, but he didn't, he didn't really like the hymn, uh, even though he wrote it. And, of course, on his grave, it says, author of Hold the Fort. And uh, just uh, kind of a funny story. But um, memorial services were held in churches all over the country. The Christian world was just devastated by this loss. Uh, in the service in Chicago that Moody spoke at, 8,000 people attended. 4,000 people stood outside in the cold listening. Um, and and through all this, I don't know if you caught this as we went through it, but um, what the one of the most amazing pieces of this whole story is uh, Philip Bliss died at the age of 38. All that was accomplished. Uh, just amazing uh, how God can use a man in a few short years if you'll if you'll completely surrender surrender to the Lord. So this morning, I want to thank the Lord for this man. Um, there's another story I want to continue to tell uh, next week. But uh, thank the Lord for Philip Bliss and really for Lucy Bliss, uh, a wonderful couple um, um, that loved the Lord and gave their lives to the Lord. And so I want to thank the Lord for them this morning. And ushers, if